0: This is the Adult Explore the Bible weekly leader training podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. During the winter months of 2022 and 2023, that's December, January, and February, we're studying the first 11 chapters of John. We'll focus on the second half of John, during the spring quarter, but right now we're focusing on these 11 chapters. And I'm Dwayne McCarrie, your host. Today I'm being joined by Rob Timms. Rob, thank you for being with us today.
1: Dwayne, thanks for having me. Glad to be here.
0: We're looking at session nine, looks at chapter seven, verses 14 through 29. We've outlined these passages following this breakdown. From the Father, with righteousness, they know each other. That first section from the Father looks at verses 14 through 19 of John 7. In these verses, we find Jesus beginning to teach in the temple, which prompted the Jews to question where Jesus was trained. Jesus explained that what he taught came from the Father. He went on to say that if the person teaching gets the glory, then the message is not from God. Jesus asked them why they chose to disobey the law of Moses by seeking to kill him. We can walk away with the idea that believers can trust the teachings of Jesus. The second section, with righteousness, looks at verses 20 through 24 of John 7. In this section, the Jews raised questions about Jesus' claims that someone was trying to kill him, suggesting that Jesus was under the influence of a demon. Jesus responded by questioning their amazement. He pointed to their performing circumcision on the Sabbath to keep the law, but questioning Jesus about healing on the same day. Jesus then commanded them to stop judging based on appearance, but to judge with godly righteousness in view. The key point for us here is that believers must examine their lives for hypocrisy. Last section, they know each other, looks at verses 25 through 29 of John 7. Here we find some of the people of Jerusalem beginning to debate if the authorities knew Jesus to be the Messiah, even though the people knew where Jesus came from. While teaching, Jesus pronounced that they did know where he came from, yet did not know the one who sent him. He announced that he knew the Father because he was sent by him. The main point for us here is that believers can confidently proclaim that Jesus was sent by the Father. Rob we have several different ideas things to present right here and one, one key thing to start off with our conversation is how can a person's preconceived ideas get in the way of their understanding or willingness to listen to the truth of the gospel
1: yeah that's it's a really great question and and really it's, for, for me it's the heart of the whole passage in terms of its application especially coming from the pharisees perspective because you know, you look at verses Um, 15 16 17 the first first part of this passage Jesus' teaching is is amazing there's there's a perception of how how incredible of a a teacher he is but but behind that you know under underneath that is you know why why is it so amazing to them and it's in part because they have no idea who this guy is right they don't know anything (laughs) about his his pedigree or he hasn't he doesn't have a, a degree for university of alabama so they can't associate any of those things with that, that you might associate with somebody who's got a roll tie degree or, or whatever and jesus didn't have a rabbi that he grew up under right? he didn't have any of this uh, he didn't have a reputation and he didn't have anybody's authority to appeal back to as far as a human being was was concerned and so the the pharisees are bringing with them this expectation that he's gotten somebody that's trained him and, and raised him up um and uh and therefore that's clouding their understanding of exactly who they're looking at and who they're talking to and it just raises raises the question for me and for you and and for for us is like okay what preconceived notions or ideas about jesus am i bringing when i'm reading about when i'm reading him when i'm sitting under his teaching what am i doing that's and what am i assuming that may be keeping me from understanding what he's teaching me
0: there's this question here that they ask you know what authority and they're really asking, how do we know uh, that your teachings are from God? That's in the leader guide in the brainstorming idea. It points to a question in the personal study guide, which is how do you know if a person's teaching are from God? And in the group plans, in the options, it gives us this idea of guiding the group to create two lists, indicators of a teaching that is from God and indicators that a teaching is not from God and then we'd encourage the group to work together to find bible verses to support their conclusions and we could provide suggest providing this anyway some study bibles some concordances things like that so they could find those bible verses more I- easily and using words like truth or no for that search and then we invite the group to discuss specific ways to apply this information that could take a great deal of time to do that activity if we wanted to do it during the group time so one idea that may help us here is we could pre-enlist someone in the group to create that list for us already, let them do some of that work on their own, looking for Bible verses, using those keywords of truth and know to add to that chart and then then present that chart during the group time and then that foster discussion. Because I know for many folks, they've only got 30 to 45 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, probably more 30 to do the group time. So that'd be one way to do it. You could do it as an assignment, sending it out to folks in the group before the group time saying, Hey, I know you're getting ready for our group time, but one thing you may want to do and then share this idea with them and give them some ways they could do that study and that research prior to coming to the group time. And then that just be what you do during the group time. <clears throat> some people will call that the flip classroom concept, but that's one way to make it happen. But having said all that, let's deal with that issue. How do we know if a person's teachings are from God or
1: not—that's—that's that's great. I think I think verse sixteen, seventeen, kind of get right at the heart of that for for Jesus and the, and the Pharisees here. So so real, so real quick, you know, let's—if you think about it, the Pharisees' preconceived ideas weren't bad ones, right? It's, you want to know where somebody went to school, who they're studying under, the books they read. You want to know kind of the the cloth that they're they're cut from. Um, but what Jesus points out about himself, and it's unique exclusively to, to himself in verses 16 and 17, is that you, we are not in this posture to judge God, but rather we're in a posture where we're being judged you know, by God. Um, and, and so the the ability to recognize the truth about Jesus and what he's teaching isn't going to be. I, I don't possess that in and of my own accord. It's ju- I'm just gonna have to submit. I'm just going to have to be humble. I'm just gonna be, have to be willing, as Jesus says in verse seventeen, to do His will, which which means, and this is this is really powerful, that the um, the primary obstacle, Dwayne, for me to know the truth about Jesus has more to do with my lack of willingness to do what God wants me to do, which is his, his moral will than anything else. It's not my, it's not an intellectual, it's a moral problem. It's really, really terrifying. If you think about it.
0: It does relate to that first question we talked to as well, talked about as well, the preconceived ideas we have and how that gets in the way our own, um, our own sin or our own, well, even if we say our unwillingness to obey, that's sin, gets in the way at that point, and We're unwilling to pay attention. Um, I didn't ask this earlier, but there's a feast in the background here. Yeah. What feast is he talking
1: about here? And is, does that matter any in this story? Feast, feast of booths, um Feast of booze, which is... Uh, uh, I'm not sure how how much time we wanted to, to spend in Leviticus to get there, or even going back to, to Nehemiah chapter eight. Um, but there there is some good some, some good background here because of the opportunity. Uh, it's you know the, the setting of it as it relates to uh, an opportunity for Jesus really to reveal who he is in relationship to the peace of the news. So that might be a really good opportunity for a class to, or somebody preparing for the study to get back into that and and see some of the irony and uh, of the. Uh, of the moment where Jesus is is revealing who he is at this, at this feast.
0: Yeah. The, the Bible skill points to that uh, the feast of shelters or the feast of booths or feast of tabernacles. It's also called in some places and encourages folks to look at uh, an article uh, from a, a Bible dictionary and then look at the passages that tie to that. And then how that backdrop fits this teaching here in John seven about uh, Jesus being sent from the father.
1: That's right. And later on in the, in the text uh, of John, um, when, when Jesus talks about being uh, the, the light of the world mm-hmm. and, and the living water, lots and lots of references back to the meanings and the, and the feast of the booths. Yeah, so, so it's really, it's, really cool.
0: It's setting up the next section of this, pa- of this passage isn't it or this, of this book. Yes. John's John's very specific in what he's including here. In, in this passage, we see Jesus pointing out the hypocrisy of the of the Pharisees of them performing circumcision on the Sabbath but questioning him, healing a person on the Sabbath. What are some subtle ways hypocrisy gets expressed today?
1: Hypocrisy, at least religious hypocrisy for the for the Pharisees and, and for us, comes out when um, uh, through. Year, I would say months. Doesn't take that. Doesn't have to take months, <laughs> because of the, the the depravity of the heart. But but through months and years of being a, a church going, religious kind of person, um, you you can end up at this place. Um, I have found both as, as a as a human being and as a, as a pastor of others, where you just kind of look at your faith like it's a religious practice or like it's a habit and it's not about loving Jesus and obeying Jesus. And eventually the hypocrisy will find you out in that just like it is with the Jews right here with Jesus and the, and the, and the Pharisees. Um, but what's, what's amazing about this, this conversation that takes place is is that Jesus is reprimanded them as really a gift of grace. You know, it's, it's an opportunity. It's really an invitation, um, to to have them see him for who he really is and where their their true righteousness can be can be found. So, hypocrisy is is detrimental, but it's not something that Jesus doesn't engage with and and try and and bring us around to true true faith in, in Him.
0: Do you think that hypocrisy today is something that we don't like talking about and we hide under the rug because most of us are guilty of it?
1: Well, we're all guilty. That's that is true, and and of course, it's not it's not a wonderful label to to wear. But if, if we're going to be honest, with, if we're going to be honest about ourselves, uh, hypocrisy is one sin of many that is that is going to be true about us at one point in time or another, and and so it, it provides yet another opportunity for us to say, "Thank the Lord for Jesus' righteousness," because mine is clearly not going to make it and it gives us an opportunity to anew give our gratitude for the the work of Jesus on our behalf.
0: One of the interesting things in this passage and critical things, I think that it's probably a unique thing in this particular lesson is the key doctrine. The key doctrine is about education. It makes the statement that Christianity is the faith of enlightenment and intelligence. Our key doctrines in Explore the Bible come from the Lifeway doctrinal guidelines which are the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. And of all the articles in the Baptist Faith and Message of our doctrinal guidelines, the education statement tends to be the hardest one to include in lessons, mainly because it's so focused on Christian institutions of higher learning or schools or those type of things outside the local church. And so it, it's, um, it's one of the often forgotten uh, not intentionally or ignored doctrines uh, that we as that we may not even think about sometimes, but this lesson gives us an opportunity to have that discussion about our re- responsibility as a church uh, to influence education, to re- be reminded that Christianity is the faith of enlightenment. That it's not about science, it's not about all these other disciplines that cause enlightenment, but the idea that that Christianity, what you see in Christ here, is what enlightened him. What what qualified him as truth was he had been with the Father, and it wasn't about credentials that hung on a wall. Although those can be important, don't misunderstand me. Both Rob and I, we've got our stuff sitting on our walls.
1: <laughs> there are uh, there are credentials. Yeah,
0: there the are wall. they are there, but that doesn't negate the the value of knowledge from the father and from jesus for that matter of time spent with them and brings credit to what we see in scripture when we think about education in general uh, in our society but it does give us that opportunity to have that conversation rob are there other key thoughts or key ideas you would share from john chapter 7
1: well I, i would just i would just um I think this is a great opportunity in the class um, to. It, it's an evangelistic moment. It really is an evangelistic moment, um, even though you have what what appears to be some sort of you know contentious confrontation um, between to, between the Pharisees and Jesus at this time. What what we what we don't what we we don't want to miss is that Jesus really is a person of of grace. Um, and he really is giving the gospel to the to the Pharisees, and so if I'm if I'm in a class teaching this, I, I think it's a really great opportunity to urge people to put their faith in Christ, so that He can fill in the gaps, to to encourage people to submit and be humble and be empty of self, as Jesus would say in Matthew chapter five, and to enter into a position of meekness, um, just to do His will and and uh, and and have um Have a mindset that we're not the people we can't put God on trial. We're the one on trial, and God is going to judge us based on our works or the or, or the life of, of Jesus, and um, to put their put their hope and trust in Jesus. I just think that's a really great opportunity in this text.
0: Don't you find it interesting that faith opens the door for greater and deeper understanding that we never thought we would have? Absolutely, great insight. I appreciate you being with us today, Rob. Thank you for letting us think a little bit about this particular session, this particular study of John 7. Next week, Mike Livingston is going to be joining me. We'll be looking at John chapter 8. But before we go, let me remind you that from time to time, we mention different resources in the Explore the Bible family, the Leader Pack, Adult Commentary, Quick Source, just to name a few. You can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. Thank you for listening to us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we look at John 8 and Jesus' offer of grace and forgiveness to all who repent and believe in him.